Gascast, a Bristol Rovers fans podcast. Hello, Gasheads, and welcome to another match preview podcast episode. I am your host, Max Alderson, and I'm delighted to be joined by Rob Gray, uh, contributor of the Lonely Season blog. Hi, Rob. Hello, good evening. How are you today? Are you all right? Yeah, not too bad. No, not too bad. Happy to be on the Gascast. Um, good evening, Gasheads. Yeah, thanks for joining us at such short notice. Uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about uh, the Lonely Season blog? Yeah, so Lonely Season blog is Coventry City blog, um, authored by my good friend Laurie Kilpatrick. Uh, it started when uh, Laurie did, I think he did every season, he did every ground, home and away, one season, and and started the blog. Then a little bit of colour, a little bit of background on the journey to the ground, um, witty insights anecdotes and uh, tactical flourishes from Laurie um, with, with input from myself tactically there and here and there. Very good. Very good. So is it called the lonely season because that year he went to every match on his own? Yes, correct. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that is some commitment. I don't think I yes. could do that personally. I think it was when, I think he lucked out. I think it was a season that we had um, Madison, Adam Armstrong and Joe Cole. Oh, what a season that was! Yeah, at one point burnt very, very brightly, um, but then tailed off terribly under Tony Mowbray. Yeah, well, um, one of my friends, Henry, he's a big uh, Coventry fan, and he was ranting and raving to me back then about how good James Madison was, and it's uh, it's been interesting to watch him uh, now become all the way to an England international. Back then, did you sort of think that he could go that far that quickly? Uh, I think, yeah, I think people thought he was special in that what he could do was genuinely sort of um, different to your typical English player. I mean, just comfortable on the ball, could beat people, quality sort of end product. And and he was very young when he was with us, sort of 16, 17, maybe 18. He didn't play that much for us. He got a bad injury at one point. Um, but charting his progress and his rise has been really interesting because he's really done it sort of step by step. And I think it's a good story for young players because, you know, he's done his time in Aberdeen to um, sort of toughen himself up. If anyone's never seen his free kick for Aberdeen against Rangers, dig that one out on YouTube. It's absolutely class, 90th minute. Um, and then to see him sort of develop and a good advert for playing through the championship. And then also Leicester, I've got a Leicester fan and we were talking about him. One more season at Leicester and then that'd be a really interesting place to see where Madison will be in his career. So um, yeah, we sort of knew, but it's good that he didn't sort of get poached and get farmed out to a big team and farmed out sort of you know sort of on loan and sort of stagnate anywhere it's been a good gradual rise for him yeah absolutely and he's definitely gone about it the right way like you say going to the to the right clubs at the right time and uh hopefully we can see more of him in an england shirt um he's definitely an exciting prospect in what is probably the most exciting england side i've seen in my lifetime so yeah Southgate's, southgate's actually um sort of he poo-pooed him a little bit in the last uh uh, the last squad because I think I don't know if you saw that stat Madison had created the most not assists but chances in Europe yeah and Southgate was asked why, why isn't he in the squad and it was a sort of oh he needs to do more and he doesn't really fit into to my plans which I, I guess it's like the three interchangeable up front so there might be a little bit of an issue there he needs to, to work through with Southgate or the footing and formation or yeah there's, there's, there's something Something not quite right there. So I'm interested to see sort of if he can kick on next season and actually force his way into Southgate's plans. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. Like you say, that that formation that Southgate plays, whether he fits into there, it's uh, it's a big if at the minute. Um, but hopefully he can. Um, and you know, Coventry is not the first Coventry former Coventry player who's been in that England side lately. Callum Wilson as well. So um, you, you guys definitely do have a, a talent for seem to have a knack for bringing out uh, good young English talent and bringing it through. Um, yeah. Let's get talking a little bit about uh, the stadium situation and and the the mess that Coventry City are in as a football club at the minute. Because um, as a Rovers fan, I think a lot of Rovers fans listen, listening will have a vague idea as to the general goings on with the CSU yep. ownership and um, the stadium situation because it's been going on for a fair few years now. Um, but it would be good to get an insider's point of view on what's happened in recent weeks and um, the upcoming deadline for the, the decision with um, where Coventry City will be playing uh, in yeah. the future. Um, could you give us a sort of insight as to the latest goings on and where you are at the minute? Yeah, so I guess um, just to start it off, I'll sort of um, go back to the very beginning just to summarise quickly. So CSU uh, Investment Fund, Capital Fund sort of um, bailed us out from administration, the verge of administration back in 2007. Initially backed um, Chris Coleman at the time with a heavy sort of war chest, which uh, Coleman blew, and that never got us out of the prem. They um, reined back on the spending and then had an eye on trying to get a stake in the, um, in the stadium to package that with the, the club and become a saleable asset and, and try and sell that on. They were sort of locked in a bit of a battle with the council and the other uh, stadium owners, um, Arena Commentary Limited uh, for, for a number of years and tried to distress them out of the asset and that culminated in us um, going to Northampton for a season uh, we came back from Northampton because that was just unsustainable for the club and, and, and kind of this is ridiculous why are we in Northampton fan pressure and circumstances got us, got us back within two weeks the council had been um, going behind our backs and discussing selling the entire stadium to, as it turned out, to be Wasps. And then, so the high of going back to the ground, we sold out, pretty much sold out for our Gillingham return in 2014, um, was then a low within a couple of weeks of, uh, we're never going to own this, Wasps have it. So now you've got this narrative of Coventry versus Wasps, and that sort of rumbled on for a few years with short-term tenants there. Um, And the narrative has also been... Sisu bad, uh, Coventry good, um, everyone hates Sisu. Now what's, uh, so at the end of last season, we were in this actually same position and a short-term deal was signed with Wasps to keep us in the ground this season as tenants for a year um, with Wasps. And we're now in a position where an equivalent deal hasn't been signed as of yet for next season. So right now, where we are playing next season, unclear. Um, yeah. So the the mudding of the waters and the narrative now comes in because now, um, how are we going to resolve that? The entrenched positions are playing out in public, and the narrative is changing slightly as well because Sisu have started publishing minutes of council meetings, um, emails between the council and themselves that go back to 2014, and I think even earlier, of broken promises the council made around the sale of the stadium to Wasps, which included a promise to um, 
the Coventry sort of taxpayer and the uh, residents of Coventry that there will always be a place for Coventry City at that stadium, regardless of, of who it's sold to. So the narrative is starting to change a little bit more that um, the Coventry, uh, Coventry City Council and in particular some individuals haven't kept up to words and promises that they made on record in meetings at the time that it was sold to Wasps. Um, the chess game basically comes down to C2 are hoping that they can threaten to take us away from Coventry and the rent that will generate to Wasps. And that will be enough for Wasps to buckle. Wasps playing all this is we don't want to do any more business with Sisu because they're still in court action against um, ourselves and the council as to the circumstances for buying the stadium. Um, you're suing us or suing us indirectly. Um, we're not going to sign the rental agreement with you. Drop it and we'll, we'll be happy to because we don't want to be seen as Wasps kicking you out of the stadium, uh, out of the city. Um, but you know, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do business with someone who's also taking you to court at the same time, right? Yeah, exactly. The, the chess game is um, it's very complicated. But for rugby fans in the southwest, you you should be aware of this that um, wasps aren't doing that well in terms of financially or actually on the playing side of rugby at the moment. And Sisu think that the threat of our rental income not being there next season should be enough for Wasps to buckle um, okay. eventually in the next couple of weeks. They think Wasps will blink here because if you get deep into it, they've got some loans that are due um, pretty soon and the, um, the ability to pay those isn't crystal clear from their accounts. So okay. um, Coventry are hoping that that should be enough for us to stay there for at least another season. There's also the smoke and mirrors of um, with the council. We're saying to the council, we've also been trying to, and this is, people aren't quite sure if this is genuine or not. Um, CISO are saying to the supporter base that they have been trying to find an alternative site to build a new stadium in Coventry and the council have been continually frustrating this over the past few years as well. As of this week, that site there's not many places you can do it within the area of coventry has been announced was been uncovered by journalists to be the site of an old school woodland school um the viability of that site for a stadium is highly questionable for transport link reasons for usage of the land reasons i think it's earmarked to always be a site for education i think there's some other planning permission for residential stuff there as well so if you stick to the CSU bad uh, narrative, it could be that they're calling out that site for the reason that that would um, keep them sweet with fans. The planning commission is so complex that that would just kick the can down the road for another few years. So whether that's a genuine play to move the club away from the Rico to its own self-sustaining stadium and get all the rental income, I'm sorry, all the the food, beverages, conference income, whatever it may be, and a actual Coventry City-owned stadium again is is questionable. But the outcome is, of all of that, um, I hope I haven't lost you in all of that. <laughs> no, um, I'm still here. That right now, we don't know where we're playing. We need to go back to the EFL and tell them where we're playing pretty damn quick. Um, I've lost... I know we had to give them an update about two weeks ago, and we said... 
um, yeah, we're looking at it. There is going to be um, Armageddon situation is, and if we don't sort this out, that it will be put to the EFL member clubs to vote whether we be kicked out of the league. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think the deadline was something like the twenty fourth of April. I read about a month ago. Yeah, um, we we had to give a verbal, we had to give a, a concrete update a few weeks ago, which was um, just sort of paying lip service to it. Um, which we said, yeah, we're, we're cracking on with it. But the more um, the more pressing deadline is the end of the month. Yeah, yeah. Um, if it does come to that situation where the EFL member clubs vote. Um, are you confident that they would back you and in the whole situation, or do you think that they would uh, throw you to the wolves, so to speak? Um, you'd hope people would back us. There'd be rationale if we were to drop out, and it had an impact on some clubs in terms of where they play next season, promotion and relegate relegation from related leagues. There's a theory that they would vote well, us out. Yeah, you would say that there's probably 12 teams in League One who would probably vote to kick you out on the basis of them staying up because it's that, so exactly. tight going exactly. right to the death. So, yeah. So I would like to think that Rovers wouldn't wouldn't do that because I think our, I think our owners are quite uh, honourable in that regard um, and that they, they respect football and other football clubs and I don't think they'd wish another club to be expel, expelled from the league like that. Yeah. Um, so, you, 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 there's, the, there's that sort of wild card of um, promotion relegation candidates um, and clubs that want to avoid that um, or get promoted. Um, there's also the wild card of um, so you Rovers have got good owners, but who who would be the actual person representing the club making that vote in amongst the owners? Which let's face it is a mixed bag across the EFL with various vested interests. Um, you know who would actually be the one at each club casting that vote? Yeah, I would imagine it would go to a board meeting at each club and they would come to a, a vote within themselves on how they're going to vote. That's how I would assume it would go, but that's you, just a blind guess. Yeah, yeah, no, you'd hope, hope it would be transparent, but there's also that sort of that complexity. So um, you'd hope we wouldn't be kicked out. There have been then, the other update from this from this week or last week is five EFL clubs have offered um, us a ground share for next season. Um, and I think Birmingham City, are conf- the hearsay is whether they're confirmed or not, there's more There's more concrete candidates than others within a 40-mile radius. Birmingham City, um, I think MK Dons, Walsall, Burton, and maybe Northampton again. Okay, yeah. And if you had to choose one as a sort of last resort out of all of those, who would you choose? Um, so... I. I personally wouldn't want to go to MK Dons with a fan base that has sort of gone down since we went through. We've got a fan base that's already on striking as the owners. Then you've got fan base that will be depleted again because we're not at the Rico. So a sparsely populated MK Dons of like, you know, 2000 people, um, 2000 home fans wouldn't be the best. So I think, the preference for me would probably be Birmingham City. Um, you can get there on the train from from Coventry. I can get there from London. Uh, St Andrews isn't far from train station. Um, that's and it, that's probably one of the closest as well. So that 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 would be the preference. But even then, I mean, you know, the first the first match you'd be there, you'd be like, how how has this come in the space of um, 
15 years or so, how have we gone from Highfield Road to this yeah. via, via Northampton? Yeah, it's quite it's quite shocking, really, and it's and it's we're starting to see a trend in football um, more and more in recent years of, of 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 this happening, not just to Coventry, but you look at this season in particular, players not being paid wages at Bolton, uh, Berry, yeah. uh, Macclesfield, bad owners at Blackpool, yourselves, yeah. Blackburn. It's, it's rife in football at the minute, and there is going to have to come a point where the fans will say enough is enough if it keeps getting worse. There's going to be some sort of um, protest against the EFL in general because the complete lack of um, due diligence and and what was what was the name of the the checks that they did for for the new owners? Uh, fit and proper person. Yeah, that's the one. It's just a shambles, I think. And yeah, but what if it's not a person that owns a club? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's a company or uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of playing. Um, fingers crossed for you guys. Really, really hoping you can you can come to a, a resolution with it. So what do you think it will be? Do you think it will just be an, a, a, a renewed deal with Wasps or do you think you guys will leave the Rico? If if it's... I, I hope that it will be a renewed deal with Wasps. It kind of makes sense for them financially. It makes sense for them PR-wise. Um, even if it's a short-term one and we're just in this situation again next year. Um, but if it was that straightforward... I think we would have signed it by now. I'm pretty sure we signed it by this time last year. But I don't think it got this close to it. No, it didn't because it didn't have this publicity and didn't have the vote shenanigans. Um, so there's got to be a reason why that happened, hasn't happened. There's a lot of dirty laundry in public now with printing of council minutes, emails, statement, counter statement. So my, I hope that is the case. Still, that's... Um, do I still think that'll happen actually now? I'm, I'm not sure now. I'm 50-50 on it now. A month ago, I would have been, it'll be fine. It makes sense for this to happen. We'll be there. Maybe not long term, but we'll be there. But here we are, sort of start of April, and I'm not so sure. Yeah, it is sort of heading a bit like a no-deal Brexit sort of scenario in Parliament. It's just deadlock and <laughs> yeah. who, who blinks first. So it's, uh, yeah, one of those. And hopefully you guys come out okay at the end of it and aren't on the end of... Um, some greater powers, power gamble, so to speak. Look, well, look, you know, Bristol Rovers have played outside of Bristol before. And they yeah, we have. Exist. You know, it, it, it happens. Um, but yeah, any interest and publicity and just amongst the Rovers fans and all the other EFL clubs um, is appreciated. And um, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all in this together at the end of the day as football fans and there are rivalries and, um, you know, we're all against each other all the time in the leagues, but when it comes to being fans and having a club that you can call home, it's very important. As as we know, when we went to Twerton and um, you know the club was very much saved at the last minute, it's it's the, your club's everything to you. So um, it would be devastating if if Coventry had to reform or be kicked out of the league and start again. It would just it would be just be devastating yeah so really fingers crossed for you guys and I think all of us at Gascast are sending you all the support cool. um, thank and you like, and like you say getting that message out there is it would if we can do do that to help you guys then then absolutely we'll do that um let's start to talk a little bit more about the football side of things um I think the obvious starting point um uh, is going to have to be the two players we signed from you in January uh Johnson Clark Harris and Abu Agogo the former of which has been quite frankly the has made 
the biggest impact of any January signing I can remember. It's been quite ridiculous, really. He's scored nine goals in nine starts. Yeah. Um, did you guys... Well, obviously, you guys didn't expect that because you wouldn't have let him go if that was the case. But um, why, why, why do you think you guys did let him go? So, quick recap of JCH at Coventry. We got him um, January last year. Um, we were we needed a shot in the arm in terms of strikers, and say what you want about Johnson, he's a, he's a shot in the arm to any sort of situation. He came in from a, a higher league, came back to Cov. He's got a bit of a strut around him. He made our existing strikers play better. Um, he didn't ever catch catch fire for us, but he was definitely a contributing factor um, in the promotion. He scored an absolutely crucial penalty away to. Um, Macclesfield, I think it is. Um, that was sort of, you know, not one that we did. We drew one all. Um, we were down to ten men. It was sort of in February, March, but it was one of those games where if we lost it, it would have had a like impact on following results. Blasted the pen into the top corner. Um, so he definitely played his part for the promotion. And then this season, same old, same old. He's he sort of um, came in and out of the team. Um, the first half of our season, we played a four-four-two formation, um, mostly with him and Connor Chaplin up front, and he played the sort of big man, dropping deep, linking up the play, battering around type sort of thing. Um, and if there's one thing Johnson can't do, it's link up the play. Um, and and I was not fussed about seeing him leave. I thought Robbins had. Had a look at him, had him for about a year, thought, you know what, it's not quite worked out. It's not really sort of um, taken fire. I, I'll take those wages off Johnson and I'll put them in the pot for the summer. We'll go again. Fine. A lot of people were sort of, why are we selling Johnson and we're not getting anyone else in? My view was, look, if an offer's come in and you don't fancy him long term, Johnson is, solid, is a solid player. He has impacts here and there. He's always a solid option off the bench, but you know he's not—he's not scoring nine screamers and nine starts. Yeah. Anyway, fast forward a few weeks, uh, <laughs> and he's scoring basically only screamers in the same league. But he looks to be playing. I'm only seeing the highlights. He looks to have the ball in front of his feet more, facing goal for you, and not passing to people so much, and just sort of shrugging defenders off and then just letting rip with that absolute um, sledgehammer of a right boot he's got. And then yeah. I think, well, have we just, did we just not use him properly? Um, and, and that may have been Robin's floor wasn't selling him. Um, well, obviously it kind of was, but Robin's floor was how he deployed him in the time here, because for you guys, he looks like a completely different player. And I, I don't quite know the system you're playing him in, but it does look like, for me, his weaknesses are just being ignored. It's him face to goal with the ball, tunnel vision. I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna get in a place and I'm gonna smash it. I think that's very accurate. To be fair, um, yeah, we we play a we play a four four two diamond at the minute, which yeah. is um, congested midfield um, with a lot of ball winners. Um, and when they do win it, they either lay it off to the attacking fullbacks um, or they give it to the front two. Yeah. Um, and one of them is obviously Johnson and the other is usually Tom Nichols who's a bit like Chaplin but without the goals because yeah. um, Nichols has got 
two goals in 60 league starts or something like that, which is okay. pretty dreadful. But um, there's, there's people that would say that's roughly Connor Chaplin's stats because of oh, right, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Chaplin, I've, I've watched him play earlier this season. I thought he was your best player when he came down the mem. Um, uh, he's he, really he's technical a tidy, player. He's a tidy player. He just needs to add goals, I think. Yeah, that sounds a bit like Nichols, to be fair. Um, so Nichols is sort of like the number 10, and then uh, Clark Harris is the number nine. Um, and it does generally go to to go to his feet in front of him and then he's got space to drive into like you say um he does also like to get down the flank and then drive it low across the box he's done that a couple of times yeah um but his, the game plan does seem to be for him to get the ball and use his pace and like you say shrugging off players to just make ground he almost yeah. like bulldozes past players makes 20 yards the whole team moves up 20 yards yeah and if he can get a shot away or, or lay it off to a to a player making a run then that's what he seems to do best um, yeah. but winning headers as well he's been phenomenal in, in the air I mean we've we've lacked a big man all season we signed we tried to sign back Yoko um, in the summer from Warsaw who obviously yeah. went to you guys I think he agreed to deal with us and then uh, at, the la- at the last minute you guys came in with an offer for more money and he went to you um, so then we were left with something like two or three hours to get someone in um, yeah. We needed a big man, so we went for Stephen Payne at Shrewsbury. Yeah. Deary me, he was dreadful. Um, he, was, he went back to Shrewsbury on loan in January. Um, he had an attitude problem. He was just lazy, didn't run. And Clark Harris is almost the antithesis of, of uh, Payne. He is hardworking, gives 100%, and his attitude is just spot on. He just wants the ball all the time. He, he wants to attack the ball, and he's not afraid to shoot at all. He just... He, he, every time he hits it, he seems to know he's going to score. Yeah, um, and he's not just scoring screamers like those two rockets he scored against uh, Plymouth and Gillingham. They were good, absolute rockets, but he scored a couple of tap-ins, a header, um, a couple of low shots outside the box, um, and his most recent one against Luton. I don't know if you've seen it. He dinks it over two players, beats the keeper, and tucks it underneath him. Yeah, so, so he was he used to miss chances for us as well. So I think there's. There's something about him. I think something mentally has happened as well, and he's just sort of got got this confidence, um, and and things are just working out for him. Yeah. He and I think that comes from him just having the freedom to just go at people. He didn't. I'm doing him a disservice. He wasn't our sort of like divine playmaker or anything. He just never really, however we used him, we never really gave him enough opportunities, or he never found himself in enough opportunities where he picked it up and then then turned and then just went right. I'm off on one now. I'm off. Yeah. It was always right. I'm going to play it off to someone else or hold it, hold it, hold it. And, 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 and never sort of actually do what he wanted with it. Um, and now we've got Bakayoko up front. So we've now changed formations. Um, and we've got Bakayoko in a sort of center of a, a sort of three up front, Hawula and Thomas. And Bakayoko is meant to be playing the sort of target man, but he's absolutely garbage at being target man. Um, I would love to have seen JCH in his role. And say, don't worry about being target man. Just, just be with the front three and just play forwards. Play, go forwards, go forwards. Um, yeah. Because clearly, he's more than capable at this at this level, um, and has been an absolute revelation for you guys. Yeah, he really has been. I mean, like I say, he scored nine of our last ten goals, and you know, had he not scored those goals, we would probably be uh, down where Bradford are in the league. We would yeah. be really struggling. Um, we've won a lot of games one nil in the last few months away yeah. from home. Um, and he's been the goal scorer in all of them. So um, he's been so important for us. He's been, you know, a fantastic signing from from Coughlin. And uh, when he came in, me included, a lot of people lost their heads because um, 
we would we'd needed a striker or a window. We binned off Payne. Um, we binned off Kyle Bennett to Swindon. So we had a bit of wage available. We signed a go-go in the morning. Yeah. Um, that looked a good signing. I'd, I've liked to go-go for a while um, since he was at Dagenham. He's a, a good good player. We'll talk about him a bit in a minute. Um, and then we brought Clark Harrison and I just lost my head because I looked at his record and I thought, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, I, I, I vaguely heard his name before, but his goals record was dreadful. I thought, is this the guy who's going to fire us to safety? No, he isn't. Yeah. But, you know, exactly. he, he is. He, well, hopefully he is. Um, it's been ridic- quite ridiculous, really. And now there's talk of uh, scouts from Hull, Reading, um, Millwall, Shepherd Wednesday have come and watched him. It's, it's crazy, really, to think it's that in the summer someone could be coming in with two, three million for him. And it's, you know, for, for, for someone who's going to be playing 15 games and then going in the summer, that's a pretty good turnaround, although I prefer to keep him, um, obviously. But yeah, quite quite crazy, really. Um, yeah, let's let's talk a bit about Agogo then, as I briefly mentioned him there. Yeah, um, yeah. So he was Shrewsbury's captain in that season last year where they yeah. finished third in the league. Um, instrumental in their success, according to their fans. Didn't really hit the ground running with you guys. No, and that's still not fully explained. So I think he only played... I don't think I saw him play because he, he he started the first game of the season and was, by all accounts, um, what we expected him to be. Um, rough, ready, but also with a bit of skill on the ball. Um, genuine imposing box-to-box midfielder um, with um, physical presence and character presence in terms of ex-captain and stuff. Um, And then, I'm not even sure if he played our second game. Pretty soon, he was out of the team. And the original explanation was, I think he picked up a knock. He was injured last season, I think, for quite a bit. Um, And it's sort of, okay, Getting, getting the fitness back. And they didn't come back at all. And it was genuinely so. We need someone to replace Michael Doyle. Um, we need an enforcer. We need some presence in midfield. We need some character in midfield. This was the guy. Where is he? Um, and it was going on too long for it to be fitness because I think he had the, the odd game here and there, but never a spell of games. Um, there's rumours that there was some sort of um, breakdown in the changing room between. So we also got Junior Brown from Shrewsbury as a left back as well. Yeah, um, he's he's. He, I really rated him in the three or four times I've seen him in this league. Yeah, well, he hasn't played that much either. Um, and for both, with both these players, there's a bit of a mystery around: is it fitness? Is it character? Did Robbins not fancy them? Strange mixture. So. No commentary fan can give you a definitive answer on that. The truth hasn't come out. There you go. Lo and behold, so after all of this time, him not playing for us and fitness being one of the possible contributing factors, straight to you guys. I think he started the first game straight away. And has he been ever present for you pretty much? He's played every game, I think. Yeah, yeah. he's started every game. I don't think there's any he's missed. Um, but as for ever present, I'm not 100% but sure. He, he, he's been involved every time, and which is... I mean, we're yeah. talking about Vukov. He was just not even on the bench for yeah. large large spells of the season. I don't think he's missed a minute. Well, he, I think he got injured in one game, but then came straight back the next game. Um, I think he's played every minute otherwise um, since he signed. Um, he's probably been like a 6.5 out of 10 every game. Yeah. He, he's just there. Um, the the four four two diamond, we don't do it like Luton do it. And Luton play it so, so well with the width and the fullbacks. Yeah. 
our fullbacks a mixed bag. They're not the most confident going forwards. Yeah. Um, and our diamond is quite congested. I think a go-go tries to do this sort of um, box-to-box fitness, sort of close everyone down all the time kind of role. Yeah. Win the headers, close people down. Um, when he gets the ball, give it straight away. So I think that's the role he's trying to play. And I'm not sure if it suits him. I'd like to see him in a 4-4-2, really, or a 4-3-3. Um, I don't think the diamond really suits him, but I'm not going to argue with the results at the minute because they seem to be going well. Was he was he better than what you already had, or is he just coming in because you had a gap there and a solid 6.5 is better than having um, well, a square yeah. playground hole? Well, we thought he was going to replace Ed Upson, who we signed in the summer as as a CDM, and Upson's mm-hmm. not been great. Um, we thought Agogo was going to be a better option there, Um because we see we played a lot of um, four four two and four three three before January, but the diamond has been a new thing since Agogo came in. So maybe it was something he wanted to do, but didn't have enough central midfielders okay. to do. Yeah. Um, so he brought he brought he plays him on the left of the diamond um, with Upson still at CDM at the base of the diamond, yeah. and then Ollie Clark alongside him, and then Liam Serkham at the point of the diamond. Yeah. But Ollie Clark and Serkham have been missing for about four or five games now. Yeah. Um, so Agogo's sort of the only person I really notice in that mid- midfield other than Upson. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. So you've so, got to be a certain type of player to sort of carry uh, another couple of players in yeah. the centre mid. So Yeah, and maybe there's a lot of his game that we're not seeing yet because he is trying to, you know, carry those other central midfielders who aren't really performing at the minute. Yeah, um, and, and you don't know the impact in the dressing room as well, you know, a centre mid who's been a club captain and um, clearly has a bit of fire about him. I, I mean, I don't know if you've seen that famous clip of him basically assaulting someone on the pitch from <laughs> last season but yeah. that, that can that can have a you know someone who just like comes into gesture maybe also like jch just coming in and being like like here are lads like this is what we're going to do um a bit of crack in dressing room a bit of sort of add a bit of swagger to it not getting rolled over and getting like one nil is the classic result then you know what i mean so um there's that off the field and that attitude and personality thing that isn't obvious to the fans straight away after 90 minutes but can be bubbling under as well and, and, and galvanise what you've got yeah definitely no I agree with that he is he definitely seems like captain material so it's good because we've lacked leadership on the pitch all season um, yeah let's let's go on to talk about the match itself uh, briefly um, yeah. so you guys at home have generally struggled against the uh, bottom half sides is that fair to say yeah that's that will be what's cost us um, an otherwise sort of Fairly good crack at the, the playoffs. I mean, we've still got a chance, but even since Christmas, we've had some shocking results against lower half teams that really we should have got more from. And 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 shocking in in terms of goalkeeping errors and cheap penalties and stuff as well. We we just don't turn up the same um, recently at the Ricos we have away from home. Yeah, well, you had a, a, a really good result against uh, Barnsley mid. Uh, mid was it midweek or was it on Saturday? That was on Saturday. Uh, yeah, a good result. But then, but then the game before at the Rico, you lost to Oxford. Is that right? One 0 Yeah, and that I mean that was coming off the back of beating Peterborough away from home, leapfrogging leapfrogging them, um, and genuinely being like, right, it's us and Doncaster for this playoff spot. I yeah. mean that that was cloud nine. Sort of coming away from Peterborough, we were like, right, it's on. This is this is proper sort of. Walking away from that stadium, singing, everyone was like, "It's on, we're, we're doing this." 
So you go back, then you play Oxford, who've been poor, and lose, and that's totally deflates and defeats the whole object of, um, of of beating Peterborough. So those results will ultimately be the ones that cost us um, this season. But you know we've just come back up, so a good crack at the playoffs is is a fairly good going. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So uh, the game itself, are you are you worried that history will repeat itself in terms of those those results you've been having this season, or do you think um, your boys are going to sort of uh, step it up and think, look, we've got to put an end to this this rut at home and um, prove a point? Uh, I'm worried because of Bristol Rovers' um, tactical master plan. So the the two best ways to approach a Coventry game are be on a terrible, terrible run of form <laughs> and play Cov because you will always get a result against us. Um, well, you've ticked that box off at Twerton Park, uh, at Twerton Park the, the mem at the start of the season. Yeah, that was a, um, a surprising <laughs> result to, to say the least. Yeah, and then the other one is field uh, some ex-Coventry players, including maybe um, a maligned or underperforming Coventry uh, striker because they are guaranteed to score against us. <laughs> Yeah. So if if you do if you do if you do the double over us this season, you you know the formula is there for everyone to see. But any Coventry fan will back me in. We are terrible against teams that are coming out of or in bad runs of form, and ex players always always score against us. Um, so that makes me nervous. I also think, to be honest, I think we we I think we're the youngest average age in the division. Um, some of our better players are the younger lone player. Dujon Sterling, right back from Chelsea, has been at times carried the team from right back this season. Um, he's running out of gas a bit. Tom Bayliss is running out of gas a bit in midfield. Uh, Luke Thomas from Derby, the winger. Um, so I think we've probably reached our peak already as a team this season. Um, and that coupled with being deflated in terms of the league position means... You're, you're you're playing us at a good time. Plus, you're below us in the league, so you've got everything. Everything is there. It's, it's the goal is open. Bristol Rovers to Waterloo, basically. Oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> Pressure on it now. I'm driving up as well, so I don't <laughs> don't be saying this, and then I'm not walking away with three points at the end of Sunday. Um, yeah, it's what you say there. Is all the all the all the ingredients are there for for an away win, and we've we've uh, I don't think we've blanked away from home in a while. Uh, either so the boys will definitely be up for it and uh, I think away from home we do play better than we do at home um, for whatever reason that's been this season um, and if we can get a win against you guys then that would really really lift lift us and uh, relieve a lot of the pressure going into the last five games for us because we've got yeah, after yeah. you we've got three six pointers we've got Bradford at home uh, Wimbledon away and Rochdale at home so um, I think six points from our last six games will be enough to keep us up so we're looking for two wins from our last six our last yeah. two games are Fleetwood away and Barnsley at home which we're probably not going to get anything from either of those you're um, in that you're in that group where if you can get a result this weekend and others drop points it becomes um, yeah it, it gets you to 48 doesn't it I think you're on 45 um, yeah and there's the breathing space plus there'll be another two or three clubs below you. Um, so it's a big game. Are you expecting taking a few up there? Yeah, I think so. And it's a Sunday as well, so that will add to it. Um, I, I would probably say there's probably going to be a thousand plus there. Yeah. Um, I would say. Um, yeah. I think the last time we played you at the Rico was probably the worst Rovers performance I've seen in some time. 
uh, 1-0 loss uh, the season he got relegated from League One. Um, that was late in the season. I think we took like 2,000, maybe more. Um, because that, I mean, that, was, that would have been the first time we played each other. A long like, time, yeah. Like a long yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. I went to the Boxing Day game, um, which again, we just totally capitulated at your place. Um, Slade's first game. I can't um, remember that one. Uh, what was the score there? Oh, like 3-0 to Rovers, I think. I can't remember that one. I'm usually quite good at remembering matches, but I've just drawn a blank on that one, to be honest. Yeah, Boxing Day. Um, yeah, we were just we were just god-awful. I don't think we scored. Your right-back cut in and scored two identical goals with his left foot cutting in from right-back. Um, oh, was it Liam Serkin? Yeah. We scored those two. I can't, I can't, I can't remember, but he was quite... I'm going to have a Google. And he cut in twice down your end um, and basically scored the same identical goal and we just had some god-awful... That relegation season was god-awful. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but apart from that, we're not really familiar um, opponents, aren't we? So... Yeah, we're not, we're not, no. Um, I'm just looking at that result, actually. It was 4-1 we won. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, we did score one. It was Billy Bowden hat-trick... And Peter Hartley header. Yeah, I remember. Maybe it was Bowden then scoring the same goal. Yeah, twice. he's a he's a winger, not a fullback, but he scored he, the same it, goal really. twice and then a penalty late on. Jordan Willis scored for you guys. Yeah, yeah. Happy I do remember that now. Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> the good times when we had uh, Billy Bowden. He was a good player. Um, so yeah, the match itself. You got a prediction for this one then, uh, Rob? Let's go with. I've got a back Coventry in the end. Of, I, I, I go with 2-1 Cov. 2-1 Cov? He's yep. going to score. Um, that'll be Bakayoko. Uh, so, if, if Bakayoko, <laughs> so he scored against Warsaw and then went up to their fans and gave them the, thing, and gave them the fingers to the lips. Um, yeah. And it's the, that's the sort of thing he'd do to you guys. He's never even played for you. Because I think your fans were booing him at the start of the season, obviously, because yeah, he rejected he us. the sign and stuff. So, um, he'll be fired up for this. This is the sort of stuff that fires him up. Uh, Bakioko and Hawula and JCH yeah. and JCH for you guys. JCH from about forty yards. <laughs> yeah, forty yard uh, standard standard uh, goal for Clark Harris. It, be, it will be very for everyone to watch though. I, I mean, I can't go. I'm out of the country, but to watch JCH and which of our centre backs because he'll know them both. Which one he sta- puts himself on and tries to rough up would be an indicator of which one he thinks is um, sort of less mentally up to that that challenge. He will yeah. be a rash all over all over the defence. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting battle. If he goes for Willis or Hyam, I expect he'll go for Hyam, being the younger player. Um, but Hyam's pretty solid and reliable. Um, but yeah, that's something that I think um, a lot of the Coventry fans will be looking out for. Yeah, that would be an interesting one to, to keep an eye on, like you say. Um, I'm going to go with... A one-one draw. Um, I think you guys are going to step it up, given your recent bad results against uh, relegation sides at home. Um, and I think we we have we we've not won in four now. I think we we drew away at Plymouth, drew at home to Charlton, lost four-one at Doncaster, and then lost two 0 two nil two one at home to Luton. So we're on a bit of a yeah. slump, uh, but I think we'll get a point. So I'm going to go Clark Harris to score, obviously, um, and yeah. then I'm not sure who to score for. You probably back at Yoko, like you say, for the poetic yeah. uh, the poetic side of it. But it'll probably probably won't be either of them, if we're honest. 
Um, cool. Okay. Well, fingers crossed uh, that we we uh, get the result we want, uh, respective of of how the other does. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining me, Rob. Um, no problem, mate. Yeah, I've really appreciated your contributions and uh, and your comments on thanks. Uh, on. Well, uh, I, on I hope to play. I hope. I hope to play Rovers again at the Rico next season. In, yeah, in this league, definitely, definitely, and if not the Rico, at least somewhere um, where you've got a sustainable future for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely not Milton Keynes. <laughs> yeah, definitely not Milton Keynes. Um, cool. Uh, well, thanks for listening, uh, Gasheads. Um, we'll be back next week with another match preview. Um, if you've not checked out our interview with Steve Elliott, please do. Uh, Steve was a great chat and um, lots of interesting stories from that 2007-8 season. Um, if you've not listened yet, please do uh, like and share. We really appreciate all your feedback and uh, support this season. Um, thanks for listening. Up the gas. Rovers Fans Podcast.